I'm Victoria Ash. And I'm Paul Griffith. Welcome to the Business for Venture podcast, where we find out how people make a sustainable living from life and work in the outdoors. So, Victoria, tell us who we're hearing from today. Yeah, I'm really excited about the next two Business of Adventure podcasts because I am talking to Jenny Graham, uh, the endurance cyclist and Guinness World Record holder about how she's built a career out of adventures. It's an amazing story. Uh, In 2018, she left her family and friends behind in Scotland to become the fastest woman to cycle around the world. Alone and unsupported, she crossed the finish line at the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin 124 days later, smashing the female record by nearly three weeks. And she's recently published a book about her journey, which is called Coffee First and Then the World, which I highly recommend. But she's also become a public speaker, blogger, filmmaker and broadcaster. And she's worked on a wide variety of equal opportunities projects. Wow. Uh, I don't know about you, but it does feel a bit daunting talking to such amazing achievers. So why don't you tell us a bit about what we're going to learn in the first part of your chat with her? Yeah. I mean, I know what you mean about daunting, but I mean, the reality is she didn't begin life as a professional athlete. There's some really interesting stuff in the podcast about her background and how she got into endurance cycling. She started out by training as an outdoor instructor, as possibly lots of people listening may have done. But she decided fairly early on, I think, that she didn't want to work directly in that field as an instructor. So there's some interesting career perspectives there for people who want to work in the outdoors in the broadest sense. Yeah, that that is interesting. Um, I think knowing that there are wider options out there than the ones that are directly in front of you always feels like a good idea. Hmm, absolutely. And the other big topic is the, how she began to see her dream of doing the world as an opportunity to earn a living as well. She's really open about how she felt uncomfortable about that at first, but how she overcame that resistance and developed the commercial aspect of her adventures. Well, she wouldn't be the first person who loves the outdoors, but has difficulty with the money and charging people side of things in fact if you haven't done so already i'd really recommend listening to the episode we did with bodie aldridge where he goes deep into people's relationships money and demystifies how to deal with any sort of resistance you might have there yeah no that's a really good pointer because this aversion to money and his saying money is all about energy is just so true and something lots of us need to deal with i think and finally, just, just coming back to this Jenny interview, uh, we started talking a bit about what's happened to her career since she got back and the business skills she's needed to develop in order to make the most of her opportunities. Oh, sounds like it's going to be a good conversation then. I hope so. Let's get going. So it's lovely to be here with you, Jenny Graham. Absolutely delighted to have you on the podcast. For those of you who don't know Jenny, you are the holder of the women's world record for cycling around the world. And you've just published your account of this, a really epic journey and an epic book called Coffee First and Then the World. How does it feel now the book's out there in the public realm? 
Oh, wow. What a lovely intro. Thank you, Victoria. Um, yeah, the book being out is an incredible feeling. It was, uh, you know, a long time in the making and I get people sort of stopping me in my tracks, either online or in person and um, sharing their story of uh, what they've taken from the book and the fact that they've uh, been reading it. And yeah, it's just, it's lovely. It's such a lovely feeling. So yeah, I'm pleased, really pleased. Brilliant. No, it's uh, I really. And for those people who haven't read it, I can't recommend it enough. And I'd really like to sit and chat about your awesome experiences. I mean, it, it, how what it takes to find that commitment day in, day out. I mean, wow. And the monster kangaroos and the scary bears. And, you know, you were doing it unsupported. So the stories of you, you know, sleeping in public loos and drainage pipes and you know it's just just an amazing story um and an amazing achievement um but I guess that might have to wait for another day because I guess the angle that we're we're interested in here is really how you've taken that journey um and that adventure and and really turn that into a business and a and a you know how you earn your living and um, one thing that particularly struck me at the end of the book, you were sort of looking back and and thinking, well, a year in, here I am making a living from a career in the media, public speaking, podcasts, films, blogs. You'd given up your sort of long-term career in youth work. Um, and you say, a year after the ride ended, I'd achieved my dream life. And I, I'm just interested at what point that dream had taken shape. Was this something, a kind of career you always wanted? Or was it just something that happened as a result of doing the world? I think that's such a lovely question and really interesting. I think uh, for me, it started early, early on. So, um, I mean, I can't think of the exact point that I would listen to, you know, explorers, adventurers do big talks in our local theatre. And I'd sit and listen to them and just think, I used to always think like, I can see myself there I can't literally see myself there because these people have got nothing in common with me or like I don't know how to, what the steps would be to get there but um having a job like that was always very appealing and uh, and the same with like the documentary staff the tv staff and um, just being able to share stories I mean I think that's where you know I sort of thrive connecting with people sharing mm. stories I enjoy it so much that early on I felt Felt like that would be a cool thing to do but I had no idea mm. of of the steps to get there and I think your current situation as well you know when I was having those dreams I was you know at home with my son Lachlan my life would have been riding my bike a couple of hours a week and um, taking him all over the place to all his clubs and parties and you know it was very much home life school and and um, getting that thing sorted so it was a very big step away from where I was then um, but yeah it's that sort of thing of planting seeds for yourself isn't mm. it Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so what got you started then in this life of adventure going from riding your bike for a couple of hours a week to riding <laughs> around the world? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I the big life changer for me was when I started college. I went to a six-month course at uh, my local college, and it was when my son had started school himself. So he'd gone to school, and I'd left school in quite a hurry and thought, right, now I should actually go back and, and mm. look at my career a bit more. And uh, there was a six-month course, the, an outdoor pursuits. And it was just an introduction course. I would leave with practically no qualifications at all but it changed the course of my life mm. completely you know it introduced me to this world of mountains and um, adventuring all these sports like biking climbing I learned to navigate I mean navigating is one of the greatest life skills <laughs> you could ever Absolutely. have right yeah. and you'll just never be lost again so it was that was the point for me and then from there on it was these tiny little stepping stones that just became that grew and grew and grew into until, you know, 15 years later, I find myself at the start line of Round the World. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I know you you mentioned when we spoke before that um, the career options in terms of using that that education possibly felt a bit limited. I mean, you mentioned, I think, that you didn't necessarily want to work in an outdoor centre or as a guide I mean why was that and what other options at that point did you see as being open to you in terms of earning a living with those new skills you'd acquired Mm. I from very early on I mean these courses are set up so to produce outdoor instructors like that's the whole point of being there and you get your Mm. you get qualified in teaching that um sport and I think I realized early on that I wasn't a very good instructor like you have to you know like the thought of like breaking down a skill and then sharing that because I was so new to the sport itself there was no way that I could have the insight to break it down and then share it with somebody and guiding on the other hand that was a bit different when you've got people out for you know multiple days Mm. and you're sort of um uh, yeah guiding them through the experience I found that more enjoyable but I remember saying early on to one of my instructors that was uh, teaching me like is there any other options I don't actually want to be a coach but I really want this as part of my life uh like can I just do it you know and uh and of course all I could see was athletes actual athletes that you know had been athletes from a kid, from mm. childhood upwards and I was in my mid-20s by then and definitely not an athlete um and so yeah I didn't I didn't quite know what it was but I sort of knew that that it wouldn't be coaching because it mm. it wasn't where I it wasn't where I thrived. Although I did do years of coaching, I should say that. Like I did really um, you know, get a bit better and get a bit more confident with it. And but I I, I knew that it wouldn't be long term. Mm. Mm. Okay. So eventually the 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 round the world expedition takes shape as a venture. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about how you approach that in a commercial sense I mean plainly you know reading your book you're you're very driven to sort of test yourself in a personal sense but how much when you were planning it were you thinking about you know the commercial aspect to it equally how you fund it but you know Mm -hmm. how you might then use it to develop a career afterwards Mm -hmm. 
it was the, the least comfortable bit for me was that mm. was the uh, commercializing it because ultimately it was the biggest adventure and that was the driver for me it was the drive to see if I could if you know how far could I go how much could I push myself but equally I wanted a change in my life I wanted to be exposed to you know being like having the opportunity to then give talks having the opportunity to sort of develop public speaking possibly tv and and so that bit was there but that pushing myself especially before I'd even done it you know but like to I got some great advice from Cycling UK a woman Victoria that I was working with there um, and she was doing lots of the promotion for around the world for me and like had really taken me under her wing and she was like I know you just want to keep this to yourself until you go and do it but you I literally have to let everyone know that you're doing it if not they won't care that you've just done it and I was like oh god really like that was so uncomfortable <laughs> um it didn't come naturally you know and it's not that I'm not confident like I'm a really sort of confident person but I am um, being confident and then sell it, like making yourself a business like that was the that was quite a mm. big step in in a different direction for me commercializing myself you know yeah yeah, yeah no I, I guess that's understandable and how do you sort of talking to other people in this space you know there's a certain amount you've kind of got to sort of distance yourself from it and think of yourself almost as a product that yeah. you're marketing rather than you know me personally perhaps but let's we'll come on to that perhaps in a, in a bit more the sort of what happened afterwards but during the journey, during the cycle ride, um, talk us through, you know, what were the challenges of thinking through that business side of the journey? Was it something that was on your mind thinking, you know, I need to be making notes, taking photographs, doing social media? And I guess a related question, because you were doing it unsupported, was that something you had to do yourself the whole time? Or did you feel you have somebody back at base who could handle all that side? Yeah, that's that's really interesting as well, actually, because um, I ha- it was the first time I'd ever been sponsored for anything. So I'd um, raised half the money that I needed for through raffling a bike off. And then the other half was through sponsorship. And mm-hmm. that was with the Adventure Syndicate and Jura, Apajura, all these um, bike brands and a communication brand. And I had never the, the weight of that responsibility, despite them you know they were pretty big brands and it wasn't like going to cripple them if I didn't succeed but still (laughs) the weight of somebody like entrusting me with this money um and essentially you know making it possible for me to go and do I felt a huge weight of responsibility for that and so um getting the what I'd promised was lots of updates on social media but I was never going to have enough signal to do that or Mm -hmm. even to craft an story around it and so um the, uh, we did have someone in place but then she pulled out as I was starting the journey but I'd already started by the time we realized this so the first week was this huge stress of like getting people involved that would be able to a work the social media feed in the way that we wanted it to um, and collecting the data and and things like that so I got my sister on board she was amazing she was keeping all the stats and she would keep everyone updated 
Tom who made a film about it he was involved and then a good friend of mine in the adventure syndicates Ian Fitz he um he offered himself but it was massive you know it was like a day a week for uh, or one post a week for um four months so it was like <laughs> big undertaking um but they did that and um i kept them updated with the stories mm -hmm. and the, i suppose that um the other media things that i had happening on the road was that i was collecting content for a film now to get the film was part of the sponsor package because i'd been offered which was incredible offered tom and, and mike's time they were going to make a film about it all i had to do was record um what was happening out there and they would take the footage and go straight back to them and then they'd make something out of mm. it so it was a great opportunity and it actually helped me get the sponsorship because then you've got like this unique sort of um selling point um so I was collecting footage on my phone and it ended up being actually really therapeutic because there was literally no one to speak to for months on end <laughs> um and I would just set my phone up and have a nice little yap to myself essentially uh, and because you're so tired you know you're just so exhausted that it all comes out the first week recording you can see that I'm you know I've got like I'm holding back a little bit and then after that it's just like it's just yeah. easy there's nowhere to hide from it um, and I was also collecting audio as well so my mm. audio was going back to Radio Scotland and Radio Scotland were putting it out twice a week um, on one of their shows which was like a really lovely way of sharing it as well and then we went on to make podcasts from from that audio and of course use the audio for the book as well mm. so even when I was at, when I was out there all this like making a film, making podcasts, writing a book, that was not where my head was at. The film was, because I knew mm -hmm. that was happening and it had nothing to do with me. But this was, it was amazing how that that stuff just, yeah, wasn't sort of on my agenda. And I was very much keeping the... Um, keeping all the content for Guinness World Records so I could prove that I'd actually um, been out there. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that changes because now when I do projects, when I am away and I am filming for certain things, then I know what I need to get, you know, I know what I know what I'm doing there. And it's mm. very different from uh, from around the world when I just did this naivety of it all. And it was beautiful. <laughs> was, you know, I was uh, just doing my thing and riding my bike yeah. and talking nonsense. And yeah, it was good. But, but then on the other hand, I think, you know, what I love about your book and obviously you've drawn on those uh recordings for that is just the humanity of it and yeah. you know the raw terror sometimes of the snakes and the bears and the kangaroos yeah. and you know just the hardships sometimes and the joy of it which is yeah. it's, you know really comes through but so let's talk a bit about when you got back uh so you're out on the road your mind was mainly on riding the bike but when you came back to the UK, um, obviously the film was planned, but did you have a business plan, if you like, beyond that? Or how did the opportunities open up? Um, definitely didn't have a business plan, that is for sure. I was winging it all the way and uh, it was such a crazy time. There was Obviously, I was exhausted mentally and physically, mm. just like, 
like shell-shocked for months didn't quite know what just happened and the ride had got huge media and Victoria from um, uh, Cycling UK always jokes that there was nothing much happening in the news that week because I was everywhere you know it was just yeah it was incredible and um, I really quickly started just getting so many offers in so many people wanted me to speak and um, I'd before I'd left I'd been asked along to Boat Garden, which is like a tiny little village in the National Park um, and they'd asked me along they they were doing a fundraiser they just opened this community centre mm-hmm. and they'd asked me if I, I would do a talk regardless of what happened and I had that in the diary for mid-November so as soon as I got home I started building a talk for this for this one event that I was doing um, and spent quite a lot of time and I quite liked it because it was like I now had the purpose you know when I came back and you're a bit not very sure about your purpose and I built this talk for for that and then mm. of course just like ended up using it for years later when when I was getting asked and um, I went back to work I went back as a yeah. youth worker um, and my sabbatical had run out and I went back for I think maybe two months and I was probably really annoying like I wouldn't have been very productive but um, I find it extremely comforting just having the young people I work with you know because when you do something big like this everyone around you changes like for that Mm. for that period in time and all you crave is normality because you need to like to get your head around what's just happened and the kids I found were the best people to be with because they cared for about three and a half minutes that you'd been around the world <laughs> and then it was back to them you knew what your job was you knew what your purpose was and it was nothing to do with riding around the world and uh, so I I loved that I had to be there you know for a time period every day gave me my purpose and um, that was good and then I left at Christmas and um, yeah just took I remember saying to my colleague about or my friend but she also worked in at the school and I was like I'm getting all these offers in but I'm not sure about leaving because you know it was like you just don't know is it going to run out how much Mm. can I ride on the back of this is this the start of something and I think if it had happened and you were full of beans and full of energy and you know something comes along and you know you can give it your all that's different but this was all coming along at the time that I was at like my lowest energy I'd ever been at in my whole Mm. life even through motherhood like even after having a baby like I'd never felt the way that I'd felt after around Mm. the world so it was really scary to like give up my safety net you know and and um jump jump aboard yeah incredible train despite it being what I want despite it being something that you know that I'd wanted I just find that that change quite uh, difficult but anyway I did it my pal was like get out of here of course you're doing it <laughs> you need to and you did it. And, and did it yeah and it, and it obviously paid off I mean one of the things that we find when we talk to adventurers people who work in the outdoors who have a certain skill set that they need to deliver their job but they often say that the sort of business aspect of what they do requires a completely different skill set. I don't know whether you'd agree with that, but <laughs> from your perspective, I mean, you know, what skills did you find that you needed and, and how did you acquire them? It was such a steep learning curve. And I had um, the thought of thinking of myself as being business minded. It's, you know, I had this really weird association with the word like 
business and mm. I just imagined men in suits that was it <laughs> and quite dull ones at that you know it was like dull men in suits and I am really sorry because I know that is not the case now but that's like I, it had nothing to do with me you know I, mm. I I didn't it wasn't a world I could see myself in or wanted to be in but yet absolutely everything I did or had to do was exactly that and mm. it just you know I've thought about that over over the years like what a shame that it wasn't made to be more attractive as a young person that like this is business can look like all different things mm. and here's a core set of skills that you can project manage do your accounts you know just have all that um sort of basic skills but anyway I didn't have any of them but I uh, what I did have I suppose was um I'm a good people person so that sort of um, skill set of like communicating with with other people with brands and um, getting on that sort of human level and making building relationships mm. I found that bit really good and then I just had to work on like the project management aspect that like accounts which is always an ongoing drama in my life um, but yeah and some things just always will be won't they <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose, I guess a question related to that is, at what point do you get outside help? I mean, do yeah. have you have you outsourced? Do you have an accountant? I mean, do you have other people who help you in your business? Or are you kind of doing it all yourself? No, because I've only just accepted that I'm running a business. <laughs> ah, interesting. I've only, despite having been doing it for quite a long time and um, it's only this year that I'm like okay uh, this is what you're doing and accepting that and then looking at um yeah just yeah just looking at things a bit differently mm. um, and so I've I've not I, I just do everything myself at the moment but yeah it's definitely something um I would look at because why struggle your way through one aspect of it when that's not your skill set right you've got other people that you can ask and if it was something in the adventure world or the media world you know I wouldn't go in and try and edit all my own films I would you know because I know that I know really good editors that I would get in to to work on it yeah. so yeah it's just applying that isn't it yeah absolutely and I guess it also you know one of the other conversations that comes up is how do you divide your time and where can you in business jargon add most value but I mean where does it make most sense for you to spend your time and I guess that would be interesting to get a sense of now you know if you looked at your how you spend an average week I mean how much of that is on the business side of things how much is it going out doing the adventure type stuff how would you divide that up do you think it's quite varied because I work on projects and project based um, mostly and mm. I work quite well like that because it's like all or nothing that sort of like you're if you're in you're in um, and then when it's nothing and you're taking a bit of a back seat and you're at home for a space of time then that's mm. when I do, do all the admin stuff and um, and take a bit of space to like be creative and um, sort of think about projects um, mm. and so yeah and I, th I think um I think now that I'm I'm finding a rhythm with that a little bit more then and sort of not I think I think a lot of freelancers can that I speak to they're running their own businesses can relate to that knowing that time off from the project that you're actually away from home and you're actually doing the work for doesn't mean 
that you're not working and you should start panicking and quickly rush away again. But that takes a bit of time to to sort of realise, doesn't it, that no, that chunk of time at home is really important for all all part aspects of your of your business. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a really good observation. One thing I just wanted to pick up on briefly is I think you mentioned when we spoke before, you know, how much you valued having mentors. And I just mm. wondered if you could say a little bit more about that and the oh, role they've played. I've had such good mentors throughout my life. I can just like pinpoint like key people that have helped me on my journey in the outdoors. Um, and I think for in terms of that business side of um, sort of mentor that helped me take this adventure and turn it like turn it into a business, you know, was definitely a Mark Beaumont when I came back from around the world. Mm. And he had obviously been there all those years before um, on his first time around the world and he was just like so helpful and giving on okay like yeah this is here's here's the steps that need to be taken for you know to make a career out of this and to sort of move forward with this and um yeah it's just so valuable isn't it and you know I've got a few friends friends and colleagues now that um, obviously work in this industry and just having them to fall back on even if it's for like pricing things for the amount of time things might take to like Mm. build up a project just like knocking ideas about and it's yeah it's really valuable to so you're not sort of starting up from scratch and um, get a bit more confidence with it yeah and I think most people find that actually people like to be asked for help Mm. um, and and actually are are happy to give their time very often so I think it's a good learning Um, so we've talked about the differences between adventures and the business world and the need for perhaps a two different skill sets but what are the similarities so I mean coming back what do you take from endurance cycling and bring into your business Mm. it is that I think it is that project management isn't it Mm -hmm. like if you're going away on a big a big trip a big adventure trip then really I mean I joke like I wing things quite a lot out on the bike you know I'll be be, I think because I've taken my family out so often over the years taking young people or run groups Mm -hmm. that some that have to be so meticulously planned that sometimes with adventures I just like going and getting into nonsense and working it out you know not over planning it and but if it's a big trip then I do I, I do sort of plan out even if it's just like travel all those travel and mm. food logistics and um you know mapping and things like that and I think uh, that basic skills of breaking things down into bite-sized chunks mm. um, uh, really really helps in business in the business side of things I suppose that was that was like the major crossover bit of resilience thrown in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah Although I much, I much rather the resilience that you need if you're stuck in a storm at the top of a mountain than the resilience you need to stare at spreadsheets all day. Uh, yeah, I think... Personal <laughs> preference. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one, definitely. We're going to take a break there from our discussion, but look out for part two of this podcast when we come back and talk to Jenny about how her career has developed since her round-the-world trip Um, and hear her advice to would-be adventure business people. I hope you can join me then. 
So thanks for listening today. And don't forget to subscribe to the Business of Adventure podcast wherever you normally get your podcasts. Goodbye.